Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one. Suffered through it. Written by Hugh would not believe. Axel Quartle lifted its rich brow at what I could come to understand was a sign of confusion. I don't understand. That's what my translator made of the sloshing, sibilant sound that the reptilian simian made. Which part? Axel Quartle scrunched up his face. It ran all of a species disliked the human vocalization to the extreme, which was odd given the most human showed an extreme aversion to the man-sized amphibian reptiles that almost uniformly had the coloring of a diamondback rattler. Funny, gone the coincidence of fate and all that. When you said you suffered through it, what does that mean? I thought perhaps the translator had coughed again. It happened frequently, given that it had only been created five years before. Universal speech recognition, my rear, had asked an authorian for the restroom and gotten a pecking for apparently having suggested his mother shed more than one nest. Suffer, pain, hurt. I continue to persist despite the injury. I suffer through it. No, I, I understand the word. I just don't understand what you mean by constant pain. Oh... That's simple. My nerves are pretty much frecked. Axel Quartle tilted his head, and I smiled a bit in the fact that reorienting one's perspective was a perplexing situation, was a near-constant behavioral response in sentient or near-sentient beings. Your nerves are intercost. Right. Euphemisms. My nerves, specifically the ones that run down my C5 and C6 vertebra, these ones here... I pulled my suit up to the collar, to the side, and exposed the spine where my neck joined with my upper back and shoulder blade area. Are being pinched in excess bone growth. Bone spurs. Spurs? Goddamn words, sorry. It's astonishing how many words don't cross species boundaries. Um, little spikes growths on the bone. Osteo-something. Anyway, those tiny growths are pinching the nerves that run through the small holes in the vertebra. The canal that nerves travel through is shrinking. Why do you not stop it? Axel Quattle looked genuinely concerned, so the small spike of irritation that poked its weasley head up through the squashed quickly from a heart palp gratitude. Many people didn't actually care that my nerves were betraying me. The fact that the reptilian alien was trying to help by offering ignorant advice was actually heartwarming. I can't. Unfortunately, human beings are much like limited end-users of an operating system. We don't have admin access to our code, we can't control or automatic functions, and we barely manage to control our own behavior. Our emotions, for example, surface at random and direct our thinking and our action despite any higher cognitive attempts at control. That isn't exactly true, but it is valid for, say, 90% of situations. You're getting off track. What do you mean, suffer through it? Are you in constant pain? Axel Quartle looked genuinely hurt. It was hard to see the empathy reflected in the reptilian eyes and face. Um, well, I didn't want to lie to it. It had been my one and only friend in the last six months. I hadn't seen another human since touching down on 6589754381-beta minor. 
or Reptidia, as I called it, isolation protocols and all that. To tell you the truth, yes, I'm in constant pain. I don't tell other humans because, well, it causes them pain or make them feel awkward. Can you not stop the pain? No. I mean, there's small relief measures with epidural injections or painkillers, but for some reason the steroids didn't take and I refused to take opioids. So, uh, you're in constant pain. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. You get used to it kinda after a while. It goes from feeling like a barbed wire pulling through your limbs to a kind of dull ache and a constant itching at the center of your limbs. Why would you not kill the pain? I paused, wondering at the meaning of the statement. I don't want to become an addict. It's easier and more cost-efficient to simply suffer through it. Again, I don't understand. When we receive pain, we remove ourselves from the stimulus or remove the stimulus itself. If it isn't internal pain, we regenerate the organ to fix the issue. The only pain we experience that cannot be healed by regeneration is heartbreak. But over several hundred years, it eventually does heal. I shook my head in wonder at Axoquatl's off the hand, well, off the claw remark about longevity. They couldn't even be bothered with gene therapy because they had initially built into their DNA. If an Axelquat had a physical issue, they literally just willed it away. Yeah, we humans don't have the ability, unfortunately. My parents could have removed this defect from me, but they were purists. Purists? Oh, um, uh... They're a lot boiled down to they believed that every human should be born as a built, so to speak. Never mind that they was the product of gene-edited stock to begin with. They thought that somehow removing deficits and prolonging life was a crime against nature. So here I am, with bad genes, never-ending pain, a short lifespan, bad eyesight. Axacotl had gone silent, was breathing rapidly through his nostrils. The airways had a white sphincter or lid that shut the airway after the inhale, most likely to prevent water from rushing in since the nostrils were just slits on top of their snout. The lid was opening and closing extremely rapidly, and I realized I may have induced a panic attack. Hey, hey, sorry. I was turning a fib. I was only putting off my tail and leaving it behind. As a joke, none of that was true. I'm sorry. Axel Quattle opened his two lids, leaving the transparent layer in place. You were tail-leaving? Yes, I'm sorry, I'm not in pain. None of that was true. I get carried away telling stories, making fantasy. Axel Quattle opened the transparent layer of his lids. I did not enjoy that fantasy, to live forever with pain. That is no story to tell others. I know, I'm sorry. It was a bad joke, a bad tail-leaving. I gritted my teeth and smiled. I suffered through it. We all do. It's just life. End of story. Story number two. Fly by wire, written by a lone doughnut. Gentle vibrations were the only way to tell the Kagarian delegate, one Lord Aless Meg, that he was in fact traveling at several times the speed of sound through the atmosphere. He had chartered a flight on a private transport, a small luxury he'd allowed himself after his months of work to dismantle the systems of barbaric slavery that was holding back progress. The vessel, the Lily Rose, was a human ship, renowned for the ability to construct ships of superior quality, if little else. They had also been one of the allied nations against the practice of slavery, something to do with their own history and finding it distasteful. 
The pilot was a woman, something that was initially caught him off guard, as his own species women were quite rare off the main world, and rarer still in professions. But when you're an amphibian race and extremely precise breeding schedule and limited space, it was less surprising that women would be protected and revered as they were. Leaning over, Lord Meg watched the woman in the cockpit, her hands firmly on the controls, her face a mask of focus. He hadn't realized humans were so untrusting that they would sit with the controls constantly, though he didn't mind. The pilot had put on some former gentle music and had even made food available to him before departure. All that had been lovely and he had intended to review the services well already. But he was surprised his captain was so engaged that she had not made time to talk. It must be a human custom, he mused to himself. It was a few more minutes later as the ship crested into space, cutting away from the planet. Captain McLeod made a quick call to the local space traffic controller, thanking them for the ascent vectors, and then lined up for the jump to FDL. A moment later, they were in slip space. Finally, she pushed back from the controls and came to join him. Across the table from him, she sat down in her comfortable slacks and clean pressed button up shirt. Lord Meg, I apologize for the delay to orbit, she started with. We were directed around the local weather storm, but we had it underway. At our current velocity, we're expected to make it to your world in the next two days. She smiled, and the alien shuddered, but kept his face as static as possible. Humans bared the teeth too much for his liking. I've prepared the quarters for you, should you desire to use them at any point, she concluded with. Captain McLeod, I really must ask you something, he said, settling into his chair a little more and unbuckling his safety harness. Seatbelt, she'd called it. Your ship must be new if you don't trust it for a simple orbital ascent without sitting on the controls. He caused the woman's face to twist a little, a mask of confusion, and for a moment he was concerned that he had offended. Was it taboo to talk about new vehicles with others' humans' culture? Please, Lord MacLeod, this is just Nora, and I have to ask, whatever do you mean by that? Why wouldn't I sit at the controls? Why? You should let the computer do all the work, he said, as though it were the universal truth. There is no need to sit and watch it, unless the ship is new and you still are getting used to the behavior. Though I must commend your choice, the ship rides smoother than most Kygarian ones. He paused when he saw the smile had faded entirely, and instead Captain McLeod, Nora, was looking at him with a cocked head in the gaze of utter bewilderment. Your lordship... This vessel was my father's. It's nearly forty years old. As for the computer, no. There is no ascent control system on this ship. While we are well appointed for long travels, this is not a fancy cruise liner. Even then, the pilot usually does the flying. The computer is but a backup. Now, it was his turn for confusion. I'm terribly sorry, he said, but there was must have been an issue with our translators. Did you say the ship's computer is a backup? She nodded slowly to him, and he looked a moment to consider this. So, uh, you're telling me you flew us the entire way to orbit? She nodded again. He scoffed and turned to look out the window. Surely there was a misunderstanding. He looked to the girl again and then back at the stars. Human resource vessels are regarded as some of the absolute majesty and ingenuity because they use absolutely no living crew. The entire process is automated. Your mining operations are automated, a system most species struggle with, and you're telling me you fly your ships by hand. 
She nodded the final time, and he crossed his arms together and huffed. My dear, you'll have to excuse me for being rude, but there is no way an organic brain flew this the whole way to orbit that smooth. It just can't be so. This caused the woman opposite him to look offended, and she pushed a strand of brown hair from in front of her face that hadn't really been in the way. I'm a damn good pilot, she retorted, and besides, computers fail, make mistakes, and don't always focus on the things that matter. Sure, they can give you an ascent trajectory, even calibrate to avoid a bumpy ride, but they can't really feel the air the way we can. They're good, don't get me wrong, and drones are some of the best methods to move stuff, but when it comes to flight that is good and bad, even flight over the real human instinct behind it is going to win every time. And you can take that to the bank. With that, she stood up quickly and walked from the room, leaving the delegate to sit by himself only a soft classical music playing in the background. The rest of the flight was without incident, the matter dropped and not discussed further. The pair shared a few laughs, a few rounds of stories, and even a few intoxicated beverages were exchanged at one point. At the end of it all, they docked with the station in orbit of his planet, and he was on his way. But he had watched his pilot intensely. He had watched her make slight course corrections, adjustments to attitude, had flown the entire landing procedure in the docking bay without any automated assistance. He took many trips from that day on, almost none of them flown by hand. The only exception was when a decent computer had failed on approach once, and he had watched the pilot scramble to land. But it had been one of the worst experiences of his life. He started to watch and pay attention to when the ship's computer flew and when the mechanical way it moved, the way it shifted around. Yes, it was more efficient, it flew in a perfect pattern, and there was never any question as to whether or not the computer was thinking. It was always making small adjustments as it went. But it didn't really feel right. The ride was smooth enough, but it always felt like it was reacting. The turns were clean but never gave a good view. The corrections were faster and something was lost in the journey. Something was missing. Soon, there was only one race he trusted to get him around. The only people that could give him what he was missing. The Human Touch End of story And that, my friends, is the end of the video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you wish to support the author, check the links down below for the original link. But if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways listed down below. But the easiest would be to share this with as many people as possible to help the channel grow. And I will see you all in the next video. And until then, I hope you all have a good one. Cheers.